I'm about to tell you is top secret. There's a powerful group of people out there that are secretly running the world. I'm talking about the guys no one knows about, the guys that are invisible. The top 1% of the top 1%, the guys that play God without permission. And now I think they're following me. Welcome to the premiere episode of Hello Friend, a podcast all about the series Mr. Robot. My name is Margaret and I am here with Henry and we're here to talk a little bit about our impressions of the first season of Mr. Robot, a very highly regarded series by Sam Esmail. So Henry, I mean, right now, I guess this is our first podcast episode about Mr. Robot and we wanted to just sort of talk around main themes of season one and maybe get into talking about some of the characters. How did you discover Mr. Robot and what are some of your impressions now that you've seen the whole first season? Well, I originally saw Mr. Robot on various commercials for uh, the network and it really didn't capture my interest when I saw the commercials. It was really once I started seeing activity on social media, hearing about it through friends and word of mouth, that I really started to get a sense that there was more to the show than what I just saw on the 10 or 15 second commercial that I'd been exposed to. And so that kind of planted the seed. And then when I spoke to some of my friends and they really raved about the show, that's pretty much all it took. Yeah, same here. I wasn't really completely aware of Mr. Robot. And of course, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, which I'd be surprised because why would you listen to a totally spoiler cast here that will cover the first season? The series follows Elliot Alderson, who is a computer programmer, and we discover a hacker who is based in New York City. When I turned on the first episode, I was completely pulled in from the moment I saw the titles, which I thought were just beautiful. I got sucked into the story right away. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think the titles have an element of the 80s Atari graphic to them. And they were kind of evocative of that old video game age for me. And in terms of word of mouth, I think Mark Andreessen was the person who actually took me over the edge in terms of, I really need to see this show. I think I saw him tweet something where he was just raving about the show. One of the things I find really incredible about Mr. Robot is how current it feels. If it's dealing with real issues, real concerns around issues of privacy and surveillance, the whole idea of the so-called invisible hand. Mr. Robot is touching on things that we're surrounded by. I totally agree. I was actually thinking about that right before I joined the show on air, that Mr. Robot is very much a show of our times. It's something that I can't imagine being made 10 years ago or finding an audience 10 years ago. But that said, the thing that's interesting is that the show itself seems to take place in this nebulous time period. We see equipment and various computers that could be from 10 years ago. We see technology of today. It seems to exist in this interesting uh, nebulous space and time. I don't know if you picked up on that. You're right. There are certain characters who are in the show who are walking around with blackberries. Later on in the first season, we see Mr. Robot himself, a.k.a. Christian Slater, surrounded by his 90s-era gear. And then, of course, you're maybe also referring to the F Society hideout in Coney Island, which is incredibly awesome and iconic. Some of those computers look totally old school. Were you thinking of anything else? Um, I think 
I think you pretty much hit on all the things that I observed uh, during the show. I think if I watched it on a closer scrutiny in mind, I think I could find probably a lot more examples of things that aren't bound to a particular time and other anachronisms. Uh, but I think it's really interesting that the show has these things because it gives that element of that dream world of this time and space that you really can't pinpoint in terms of when it's happening. I think that's really interesting. Well, also the fact that Elliot Alderson, the main guy played by Rami Malek, who before this role was also best known for playing Akhenaten in Night at the Museum. <laughs> uh, I like how he's a totally unreliable narrator, not only in the sense of what he's perceiving, but in terms of what he's thinking versus what he says to people and the way he pries into everybody's life at will and can pry into people's records, it's, it's a strange world that he lives in and we only get to at least initially glimpse it in this first season. I, I think that's, that's right. It's interesting that he's someone who can uncover the truth about other people, yet as season one will bear out, often has very little insight into the truth of his own life. Yes, and his perceptions, as you're pointing out too, are also augmented by drugs and all these other things. He's constantly paranoid, and half the time as a viewer, I don't know if it's because he has real reasons to be paranoid or if it's just the drugs that he's coming down from or something else that he's taken to mask that. Also, the world he lives in, he doesn't trust anybody, and he basically seems to spy on everyone. I mean, what kind of world does Elliot live in, too? I don't just hack you, Krista. I hack everyone. My friends, co-workers. But I've helped a lot of people. I want a way out of loneliness, just like you. And this first episode, he reveals something about himself where he says that he's programmed himself so that every time he hears or see certain things, it's replaced in his mind, and that this is the reality that we're seeing as viewers relying on his narrative, where he says, evil corp. It's, I think it's some other corporation, but every time I see them or hear about them, that's what I hear. And this is the reality that we're drawn into, and we're kind of given this early glimpse of the fact that this character is making up the reality that we're experiencing. And it kind of almost slips by in this first episode, but it, in many ways, this first episode was crafted, I think, with this idea that people are going to immediately watch this first episode after season one cliffhanger, uh, where there's a big reveal, there's a lot of surprises. I think they anticipated that people would be going back to this episode one, and they kind of put a lot of things in there with that in mind, to say, we didn't completely move the ball on you, this is what we were thinking about from the get-go. Wow, I really love that analysis. And you know, I heard that the creator, Sam Esmail, had originally conceived of Mr. Der Robot as a film, as a feature-length film. Upon re-watching the first couple episodes of the season, I saw so many more things layered in. The F Society character that's very much modeled after Guy Fawkes that Anonymous uses looks like a Monopoly man. Do you 
think that Evil Core or Allsafe are modeled after any companies in particular, or are they amalgamations of what's possibly out there? Oh, interesting question. I thought about this when I was watching the show, who Evil Corp could actually be. And I think the fact that so many candidates come to mind uh, kind of speaks to the fact that it really is an amalgamation of a lot of characteristics that are all too common in this age with the corporations that are in our lives. Allsafe definitely feels like a New York tech company for sure versus a Silicon Valley tech company. <laughs> They're all really a little well-dressed, a little too well-dressed. <laughs> That's true. I, I, this show is very much uh, an East Coast feeling show down to the lighting and everything else. I, it's, it's very kind of gray. It has a grim tone to it. They shot it in this kind of blue tint that kind of lends itself to that uh, environment. Whereas you, when you think about shows set in California, traditionally they have a very bright palette that are usually shot with very no, little filter or no filters at all. So I think from the, from the get-go, they're kind of painting a certain landscape and, and portrait of uh, this uh, character, Elliot, in the world that he inhabits. I read an interview with Rami Malek a few months ago. When he first started playing the Elliot character, the wardrobe department had him dressed totally differently. And he went to the wardrobe department and said, Elliot cannot wear this. I have a feeling Elliot was also a little well-heeled in terms of his style. And I think the actor himself had a lot of influence around the black hoodie and that really haunting look that I just love. I mean, it just fits with New York and the whole tone of Mr. Robot to see Elliot skulking around like that. <laughs> because hoodies in some ways are this urban uniform that allows someone to blend into the background. I think that's a pretty inspired choice if the hoodie did come from him. I hear you. And I love the New York subway shots. They're so gritty. And I think the way that Mr. Robot uses scenes of New York is better than just about anything I've seen in a long time that uses New York as a backdrop. The scenes in the subway, do you think that they actually happen? That's one of the things that I was wondering is, do the scenes that take place in the subway actually occur or are they in some other space? Like, is it his imagination or a dream? Because a lot of his interactions with Christian Slater and other people uh, that are of import take place on the subway. And you would think that that's something that he could hack into as someone with someone of this hacking, hack into the subway, look at camera car footage. Yeah, that's something that he almost never does. He does, doesn't actually do in the show, right? Is there an instance where he hacks into the subway security camera? No, but that's a really brilliant observation because it is such that in, be in between transitional state being underground in the subway. What a great metaphor if that's the case. Yeah, that's what I was wondering if, if somehow that, that space is somehow metaphorical because it doesn't seem like we ever really see Elliot get into the subway or get out of the subway. A lot of times the scene just begins with him in the subway and ends with him in the subway. I love that. And also the way he encounters almost otherworldly types in the subway, like you're pointing out, that's where Christian Slater is, Mr. so-called Mr. Robot. And then there are times when Elliot is paranoid and he's spying some others who a couple of characters look like men in black in some of the scenes, quote unquote. Is he paranoid or is he just alert? <laughs> yeah, that's what I wonder. And it's one of those things where the subway is such an integral part of New York and he's finger on so many other networks and systems. The fact that he doesn't ever hack into the subway system of New York and uh, use that to gain any insider information or control events 
is kind of interesting to me. Especially because he goes to so much trouble to hack into things like hospital medical records or his therapist's private email. You think that he would put his skills to some better use. So that's a good point too. What do you think about Coney Island as the backdrop for F Society? Have you ever been to Coney Island before? Yes, I have. <laughs> what did you think? Uh, I w- it seemed a bit like... Uh, a place that was in its, it had passed its golden age. Uh, I grew up close to an amusement park with a lot of roller coasters. And with that perspective, looking at Coney Island seemed a little quaint, a little sad, uh, seemed a little worn. But at the same time, I was aware of the fact that I was not looking at it through the lens that maybe someone with childhood nostalgia would look at it through who was from that area or someone who maybe had closer attachments to it. Uh, so that's just my impression that I had. Well, I, I lived in New York City for six years. And a few months before I left, I finally managed to make it to Coney Island for my first time ever. And I had built up Coney Island in my head as some amazing place. And I got there and, you know, we're talking about the subway as being sort of this transitional in-between place and Elliot sort of occupying this in-between world. And that is definitely the impression I had of Coney Island. So rooted in the past, so bizarre in terms of the various attractions and rides. There's one scene, I don't remember which episode, one of the scenes where Christian Slater and Elliot are in the giant Ferris wheel and they're in this caged Ferris wheel. I was on that Ferris wheel and there is nothing stranger than being on this ancient ride enclosed in all this iron. You can barely see through the cage. Do you think that the that Coney Island is uh, also a metaphor for something, a, a particular time, particular space? It struck me that there's a lot of eras of human amusement all located on that space in that show. If you think about the amusement rides, which represent one era, but then there's also uh, pinball machines and video game machines, with computers and smartphones. Um, all existing in that same space when Elliot goes there with some of the other members of F Society. And what it's suggesting is that time is fluid. I think time as well as, it's kind of the architectures of amusement in some ways, right? Because Coney Island, when you go there, I don't know if you were struck by this, but you kind of see the remnants of the architectures of past ages of amusement. You see the the amusement park rides where they were uh, powered by steam or early kind of electrical motors that are much bigger than the cable or other sorts of uh, rides that you see at more modern amusement parks these days. And then you kind of see these refurbished uh, video game machines or pinball machines, and you see computers in various states of repair. And so it strikes me that you're kind of both seeing the front side of uh, the stage as well as peeking behind the curtain and seeing the wizard. Like you have that kind of joint perspective all the way through that location in Coney Island. Coney Island is a really super layered place, combining that with all of the tech references. On one hand, we'll have like a 90s era PC, and then in another sentence, people are talking about tour, you know, and introducing things like tour to the general public. I like that they deal with a lot of tech jargon, but they deal with it in pretty interesting ways. So the titles for the episodes are all very techy, written like file names would be. And there's this one line, and I think in the first episode of season one or episode two, where Elliot talks about bugs, computer bugs, and he says, 
A bug is never a mistake. Yeah, uh, I caught that. And I also, did you also catch the way that he pronounced, how I pronounce it normally is router, but he called it the Tor Onion Router. So that was in the scene where he confronts uh, the person with the Plato's Boys website very early on. Mm-hmm. And it, it strikes me that there's a lot of the tech dialogue in the show that's talking about terminology in terms that I've never actually heard spoken aloud. It, it's pretty interesting to either I'm pronouncing it incorrectly or that they're pronouncing it incorrectly. Is it router or router? First of all, that's my first question. I think on the West Coast, we say router. And I think on the East Coast, you might hear router more. Also, I think in Brit- Britain, that might be the more common term is to say router. That, that to me was interesting. I mean, I've I've known some of the people who worked on the Tor project, amazing people, and I've never heard them call it the Tor Onion Rooter either. <laughs> um, <laughs> so right off the bat, the show kind of threw down the gauntlet to say, okay, we're going to challenge your, your assumptions about things. Yeah. Well, you know, all our heroes are counterfeit, so what can you do, right? <laughs> well, and especially the narrator himself in this case, uh, which we'll learn. I don't want to, to be a spoiler, but... Uh, I think it's pretty interesting. So so should we cover, uh, unless you want to talk about something else, I was thinking maybe we could go through some of the main characters and just chat about them. What did you think? That sounds great. Okay, so we've talked quite a bit about Elliot. What about Christian Slater as Mr. Robot? Of course, you know, I'm a fan of the movie Heathers. It's one of my all-time favorite films in the world, times 10. So I'm predisposed to liking him, but how do you see him as a character? I was very pleasantly surprised to see him in the show. I think it kind of fits with that sense of uh, time dislocation that we were talking about. People, Christian Slater is very much someone that you see in the 80s and 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And I think his presence on the show combined with some of the graphics and aesthetics really served to kind of underscore this sense of time dislocation that I was talking about. So I think Christian Slater is great. Nobody plays an anarchist nearly so well as Christian Slater. That's all I have to say. <laughs> he he just has that sort of edgy vibe to him, even when he's trying to be gentle and loving in some of the scenes with Elliot and, and to be supportive. He just has that edge underneath. And I think he's going to go full, full JD from Heather's on me. So, And then, of course, there's Angela, who's Elliot's childhood friend, played by Portia double day she had one very familiar thing happen to her she works at all safe she showed up at the meeting with evil corp to address the breach in their security protocol she started to she came really prepared did her thing and was basically dismissed out of the office because the the guy from evil corp only wanted to hear from elliot (laughs) and i was like that's a pretty accurate depiction that was a pretty interesting uh, piece of commentary about the tech world, right? I think that the show, the show's writers and producers thought it was worthy to put that in there, kind of speaks well of their insight to the tech industry. Y- yes. And then there's a foil to Angela, who is Shayla, and she's Elliot's concerned drug dealer with a heart of gold. <laughs> what did you think of her? I thought she was an interesting character. Um, especially the triangle that she creates between herself, uh, the dealer, and uh, Elliot. Very interesting. I agree. I think the actress who played Shayla was so incredible and and moving. And I 
immediately liked her and I guess she's written so you're, you're supposed to like her even though she's a drug dealer and keeping him addicted there's just something about how that actress uh played Shayla that I thought had a lot of heart and so I thought that was cool and then there's Darlene she's another person of society she took a little more longer for me to warm up to as a character yeah for me as well I didn't warm to her as quickly but I think that was perhaps by design uh, to the extent that F Society was kept mysterious and a bit distant in the first few episodes. Okay, and uh, we don't, and then there are probably a couple more maybe we should cover. No discussion of season one of Mr. Robot, in my opinion, would be complete without mentioning Tyrell and his wife, Joanna. I have a few bits of interesting information about them that I wanted to share, but seriously, Aren't they both psychopathic? <laughs> I think they both provide uh, an extreme uh, in terms of their their viewpoints, but they're also providing some unintentional comedic relief. <laughs> so I don't know if you've noticed. I definitely sort of noticed when I was watching and then I read up on it and, and got more information. But when Tyrell and Joanna communicate with each other, they're speaking in different languages. So he's speaking in Swedish and she's speaking in Danish. Huh. I did not know that. What, what's, the, what's the rationale or basis for that? Well, I think on the one hand, it's just kind of cool. I think on the other hand, the actors are from those different countries respectively. Americans aren't going to know the difference, but it's also just messing with reality and messing with language, right? Yeah. And plus they're two hot Scandinavians, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ambitious climbers, pun intended. Yes. And then there's, of course, Gideon, who runs All Safe, who's the boss with the heart of gold. I, I like his character. He's, he's an interesting guy. He's a very New York tech exec type in my mind. So do you think that his character is in some ways the most repugnant of all in that he goes along with this despite being a good person? Goes along with what in particular? He's part of the system, right? In, in the kind of framework or world that F society lives in, he is in many ways uh, as guilty as anyone because he sits at a position of power and acts to facilitate uh, all the things that are happening. He knows enough to know all the things that are going on. Um, at the same time, he's not doing anything to stop it himself. I completely agree with that assessment. What Gideon and Allsafe remind me of, and this is just a company that I know of off the top of my head, but do you remember all the brouhaha a few months ago about Hacking Team, the Italian yeah. security company? Uh, so Allsafe is basically a hacking team, if I understand correctly. Yeah, uh, they seem to, to serve that full role, right? And he did nothing when... Uh, Elliot's friend, uh, was it Angela, was asked to leave the room during the yep. meeting that you were talking about, right? He, he goes outside, he talks to the evil corp rep, and he comes in and he tells her that she needs to go. Uh, he's her boss. He doesn't stand up to the client. And that's definitely something he could have done. And I think that's in many ways symbolic of how he goes about his job and his life. He's not going to rock the boat because he is, in the, in the end of the day, 
he's a business owner and an entrepreneur. And I mean, the line of work he's in does not afford that kind of moral compass to be a quote success. Otherwise he would not be doing, he'd be making, I don't know, video games, for example. So <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I think that's a really great analysis. He's, he's, he's written to be likable and uh, he's written and acted in such a way where you want to like him as a viewer. But I think that's part of the evil that he is complicit with, that the show's trying to call attention to. I think it's true because we all know that uh, so many of us find ourselves in positions where we might end up being compromised in terms of being on these various sides, depending on where and we work in the so-called value chain or if we work in tech or, or just about any area. And it's true. Gideon is meant to be like a fatherly character who cares for Elliot. And we're supposed to feel bad that he's getting sort of screwed over, for lack of a better word, by Elliot. And at the same time, he is the enemy. He's just a more banal form of the enemy. And I think it's, <laughs> it's exactly that kind of banal enemy that Elliot is trying to disrupt and ultimately unemploy with what he has in mind. Because it is a brilliant plan to basically erase all of the, because money is all digital, right? We're in the age of Bitcoin. To just erase that, what a brilliant storyline. Because it could have gone the other way. They could have said, I want to make everyone rich. But in his world, it's resetting back to zero. It's not pumping everyone up to a million. And so I think also that's quite fascinating that instead of trying to make everyone rich, which he could also do as his goal. Instead, it's to set everyone, set everyone back to zero. It is a completely antithetical way of thinking for a lot of people to grasp that, that money is not does not mean anything to Elliot. He made that abundantly clear. F Society does not care about money. There are other hacking groups that we encounter that are mercenary hacking groups that do care about money. That's not what motivates this rogue group of anarchist basically i think it's exciting to have a story that's so on the pulse they mentioned ashley madison hacking ashley madison in the show or some reference to that website and then the hack comes out and ashley madison i don't know whether that was before or after they mention it they have their finger on the pulse i think elliot in his search for truth he's got all these tools to look at these digital records that are becoming an important part of our life it really reveals how much of our life we're giving over to this digital world where everything can be tracked, everything can be followed, you can be profiled and therefore controlled. And in Elliot's world, the way that you break that control is to set everyone back to zero. You confuse the lines between truth and fiction and you make things unknowable because that's where you can hide. I'm so excited that the series has been renewed for a second season. Thank you so much, Henry. I really appreciate it. I love this show. I think it's a real consciousness changing show. Well, you take care and I'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay. Have a great night, Margaret. All right, you too. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this premiere episode of the Mr. Robot O podcast. Henry and I had a lot of fun talking about the first season of Mr. Robot in general, and I know we're all looking forward to the premiere of season two. We're still in the process of setting things up. However, if you want to get in touch with us, we do have a Facebook page called, ironically enough, the Mr. Robot O podcast, and we'll have a website set up pretty soon, and we'll share that with you. If you like what you hear, and you feel like subscribing to this feed 
or rating us on iTunes. That would be super awesome. And if you like other shows in addition to Mr. Robot, there are some podcasts that I do with my friends. Zombie Jamboree, which is a podcast that's all about the world of The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. The Orphan Cast podcast, and that's all about the Orphan Black TV series. There's the Digital Burrito Technology podcast, all about the world of tech and games and digital media. I know I'm probably forgetting a bunch of others that we've done, so you might want to check out our other shows if you like this one, and definitely please stay tuned as we develop out the Mr. Robot podcast to cover this captivating series. Thanks again. I look forward to podcasting soon and touching base with all of you. Take care. Bye. What is it about society that disappoints you so much? Oh, I don't know. Is it that we collectively thought Steve Jobs was a great man, even when we knew he made billions off the backs of children? Or maybe it's that it feels like all our heroes are counterfeit. The world itself's just one big hoax. Spamming each other with our running commentary of bullshit, masquerading as insight. Our social media faking as intimacy. Or is it that we voted for this? Not with our rigged elections, but with our things, our property, our money. I'm not saying anything new. We all know why we do this. Not because Hunger Games books makes us happy, but because we want to be sedated. Because it's painful not to pretend. Because we're cowards. Fuck society. Elliot. Elliot, you're not saying anything. What's wrong? Nothing. The world is evolving. That's why we're innovating a new future, revolving around you. We give our customers the power. Hello, Evil Corp. We are exercise. The people are realizing they don't have freedom of choice so long as you exist. Our latest half was our last warning to you. Meet our demands and we will consider not destroying you. You have been warned. Because the future is now.